Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast featuring future-focused entrepreneurs. Today's guest is Lisa Papini, President and CEO of Dante Valve Company. Dante Valve is a manufacturer of pressure, pro pressure valve products and related other products for the military and industrial uh, industries. Good morning or good afternoon, Lisa. Hi, Jim. How are you? Great. So the, the uh, sponsor of our episode or our podcast is Blueprint CFO. Blueprint CFO is a future-focused fractional CFO and outsourced accounting services firm. We work with our clients to make exciting futures happen in their business by bringing them timely and actionable data about what is working and not working in their in their business. And Lisa has been a long longtime client of Blueprint, uh, one of our first clients when I started the firm in 2019. So I'm very excited to have her on the program today. Oh, it's, it's it's great to be here. And yes, I might be your first client or, or maybe the second. I think you were number two, but um, no. right, right in there. No, don't speak it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lisa, tell us a little bit about Dante Valve. Sure. Uh, Dante Valve is a manufacturer and a distributor of uh, pressure relief valves and related products, as you said. Um, we manufacture a line of relief valves called Danco relief valves that are used specifically on Navy ships. So aircraft across the fleet, basically, of the United States Navy and allied navies. So aircraft carriers, destroyers, um, ships for the Marines, amphibs, all the rest. So um, it's, it's really something that we're quite proud of what we do. Um, we also have a commercial business with, um, we distribute Kunkel um, branded relief valves and those will go on commercial or, or placed in commercial and industrial applications. We sell fittings and flanges and we also have a machine shop that's a job shop for um, outside um, customers as well. Wonderful. And uh, I know there's two, lo two locations, well there's actually three locations, but two operating locations. Three, um, three locations, one headquarters in Long Beach, California, um, a production facility in Bellflower, California, and then also another production facility in Norfolk, uh, Norfolk Virginia, um, because of the proximity there to the largest Navy, uh, Navy yard and, and naval station in uh, the world, Norfolk Naval Shipyard. For sure. Mm -hmm. So tell us what makes... Dante special. Why, why would, if I'm a customer, why would I want to do business with you? Um, number one, because we, if you're our customer, we care about your success and we are extremely customer focused, always have been, always have considered customer service, our top priority um, and quality as well. But I meant, you know, quality is a part of customer service because if you're giving a customer something that isn't a quality product, then you're not serving them well. Um, so really, it is customer service. I also think longevity is a huge part, consistency. People know uh, we have a, a strong brand because it's been around for so long and, and people know who we are, what, um, what we get, what they get when they deal with us. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's part of the Dante Vale promise. And I know that the um, Navy, when they, when they design a new ship, they specify uh, the, the Dante Danko Valve be put in put on the ships which is pretty amazing right that's and that, that goes back to the history of the company which we're going to talk about in a minute but mm -hmm. having yes. that having that um 
specification by the Navy for your product having to be the one to use on the ships is, I think, pretty awesome. It's 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 such at its core, it's such an immense compliment, and it's such a um, vote of of confidence from our customers. And um, I, you know, I go back to remembering when my family. I wasn't in the business at the time, but when my family started manufacturing. Uh, which was in the 1980s. And we had zero sales of our manufactured product at that time because uh, my my grandpa, my uncle, and my dad decided to go into this uh, line of business and line of line of work. Um, so we started developing and man- they started developing and manufacturing a valve. And in order to make a sale, um, my father got on airplanes and went visited every shipyard around the country and brought um, relief valves in his carry-on bags. So probably 45 pounds of bronze and steel relief valves in your carry-on. Um, you could do that back then. You can't ever, you absolutely can't do that now, but it took so much to get to the point to even make a sale to now get to where you are, where you're talking about how we're specced in and we're, um, you know, a critical supplier to the military and, and to the Navy. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a long time. It's been a lot of hard work. Um, it's and I'm I'm so proud of it. I'm proud of us, and I'm proud of our team. So we we called this episode "Performance Under Pressure." Yes, which I, my our director Haley came up with that, and I thought it was pretty awesome because yeah. there's like two two ways to think about that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the pressure valves for the Navy and the performance of a business uh, selling those to the Navy. So. So typically I ask our guests, you know, why did you start your business and, and Mr. or Miss Entrepreneur, but in your case, uh, you didn't actually start the business. Tell us about that. Correct. Um, my grandpa started this business. So prior to, um, before there was a Dante valve, there was Tom Dante, Dante, the thoroughbred racehorse trainer. And he you know, was travel. Uh, he lived in Southern California and was t- uh, training at Santa Anita. And there was a, a circuit of um, tracks that you would go to Hollywood Park, Del Mar, whatever. So he'd do that whole circuit. Um, and he had horses and um, gradually just kind of started dabbling in government surplus that was happening at that time. So you could buy some some surplus material from the government and he would sell it. And it could be anything. It could be. Um, I remember a t- one time he got a whole load of blankets and he got just random little boxes. It could be anything. You sort of bought these big trunks and it was one lot of a mystery box. Um, but my grandpa had a great skill to be able to sell everything that was in the box at a profit. And one thing that he used to do, or one thing that he noticed over time was that he started to see a lot of valves. And so he would get six in sell three, keep three. And then he already had the customer. He knew who would want them. And then over time, he started to to notice that there were a lot of relief valves. And one day, one person said to him, hey, Tom, if you you find a relief valve and you have a relief valve, I'll I'll always buy it from you. That was it. Something like that. That was that. That's how Dante Valve started. And from there, from then on, it's just grown and grown and grown. Um, not long after my grandpa started working, then my uncle Mike, uh, Mike Dante, joined him in the business. And then a little while after that, 
my dad, Chuck Dante, joined them as well. Um, and then um, I joined, you know, a couple decades later and about 30 years ago, actually, um, exactly 30 years ago, actually, and my cousin, uh, Matt, Matt joined the business too. So, it, you know, it, one, one thing I got to say is that um, multi-generational businesses are difficult. It's hard to go from one generation to another and you're, you're in your third generation. Mm. And so that's really amazing because um, a lot of companies tr struggle with that going from the entrepreneurial founder when they pass away and turning it on, turning it over to the rest of to the family members and have that continue. But uh, Dante Valve just keeps growing and doing well. So congratulations. Thank you. It's, it's a difficult transition because in every phase of that of the business and in every phase of the business's growth and development, different skills are needed and different types of people are needed. And knowing where your business might be falling short or knowing where the growth opportunities are, are um, that that's that's important to figure out. It's once you start to realize where the change needs to be, it has to be conveyed in kind of a delicate manner as much as possible to other generations. Um, explain, you know, I used to have conversations with my grandpa about why we needed to do something. And he was always open to listening, which was, you know, to his, his credit, my dad and my uncle, my, my father, you know, as you know, has passed away, but, but my uncle is the same way, very open to new ideas and always open to growth. So, yeah, it, it is definitely something that's that's difficult. It can cause a lot of, um, well, we're Italian, so the discussions are not usually calm, you know? <laughs> it can get a little... You know, I feel like I'm a part of the family, but yeah. I, you know, I, I have to listen to the Italians going yeah. off, so... We try so hard, but it, we try to stay calm. We try to stay professional and we try to keep it, you know, also importantly, this is obviously a family business. And so you really need to keep the conversations in the realm of the, the business and in the topic of the business and work hard not to let it stray into, well, you're behaving now like you did when you were six years old and you did, you know, you can't, you can't go back. You have to keep it contained if you want the family to survive and to do well. Yeah. So one thing I noticed in the show notes, which I didn't really realize, is that you way back when you were a concert promoter for the blues and jazz industry yeah. when you first graduated from college. Tell yeah. us about that. Well, I um, that was my college job. And then it just sort of grew into something more. Um, and I had a great time. It was fantastic. Um, I helped run the, I was the assistant producer for the Long Beach Blues Festival for a talent, talent show or a talent, a blues talent competition that was national. Um, I got to work with some great artists and meet some great people. And I had so much fun doing that. I, I got to interact with a lot of top, top tier jazz professionals, blues too, but primarily jazz. Um, it was interesting to see how artists and people that live in the art sphere and, and have to come from a creative standpoint and creative, creative way of viewpoint from, of life, how, how they do that and how they potentially live, how they live differently than a lot of the people who don't have a creative focus to their life. That I found that fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. It was great. 
Well, so I'm a big blues and jazz fan, and I'm, you know, I'm, I would imagine that was an exciting part of your life doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And then um, somehow you got, I want to say the word, sucked into the business. I did, actually, I did. <laughs> so you were, were you planning on being in the family business from a young age or? No, never. Not, no, not ever. Uh -uh. Um, I, I was sort of done with the jazz and blues and in my current situation or at the current uh, place where I was working. And I knew that they were going to have layoffs coming up soon. And so I said, Hey, could you lay me off? Cause I'm a person that's actually thinking about leaving anyways. And so start with me. So they, so they did. Uh, and it was fine. And it was not very far away from Dante valve at the time. Um, and so the day I got laid off, I called my dad and I said, Hey, I don't have a job. So, Hey, how you doing? And, and my dad says, Oh, you know, why don't you just come up and have lunch with us? Cause I, we used to do that all the time. Anyways, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle went to lunch every day at 11 AM period. And then you could always you'd set a clock by. So he says, come up and have lunch. I said, fine. So I, um, I did showed up the very next day to have lunch and it was great. We all went to lunch together. I, had, I loved it. We just, you know, who doesn't want to spend time with their dad, their uncle, their grandpa. And, uh, and then they said, Hey, you know what? Um, we've got, we've got some orders from these shipyards and we're, we, they're, they're starting to come in a little bit more. Do you think while you're looking for your next real job that you could help us? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll help you while I'm looking for my next real job. Um, and, and I did, and that was, 30 years ago. So were you um, still going to college then or were you had you graduated? I was I was finished with college, but then I as I started working for for at Dante Valve, I knew that if I stayed that I was basically staying forever and it was essentially I wasn't I wasn't going to be leaving. And so I thought a couple of things. I thought number one, I don't have the skills that I think I need to run this business. If that ever is going to be something that happens to me one day and it might be possible. Um, so number one, I, I, I have to level up my skills. Number two, I really should go out and see if there's anything else that I really, really love and that I can find my passion um, before I commit to Dante Valve. So that's when I decided to get an MBA and I put myself through um, University of Southern California, go Trojans and um, fight on anything you want to say, right? So I, um, I went there and I got an MBA at night while working at Dante Valve during the day that took three years. And then at the end of that, I, um, I you know, committed to Dante Valve. Fantastic. Hmm. So when you were like a little girl, you weren't, your parents weren't saying, hey, you have to work in the family business or anything, right? It was kind of so like- So when I was, no, when I was a little girl, I used to show up at the business because um, my dad would bring us sometimes in the summer, my brother and I, and we'd bring our bikes and, you know, Dante Valve's got some warehouses and you, there's enough. And some, it had some open space at that time, which doesn't now it's a different, it's a new warehouse, but um, we could bring our bikes. We could ride our bikes around. This was a summer day. Then there was an ice cream truck. We would, you know, get a big stick from the ice cream guy and then probably take a nap. And then we'd go home. <laughs> that was our day. We were yeah. working really hard. Yeah. Um, That's how they were. They were, they were trying to get you to get interested in the business. Probably. Yeah. Come to work every day and have, wait for the ice cream man. You get ice cream when you come to the business. <laughs> but um, no. So I, I actually, I, I grew up. Um, thinking that one of the great callings in life was to be a stay-at-home mom. 
And um, I actually believe that. And I was completely prepared to do that. Um, so that's sort of what I thought I would do. I thought I would just get married and, and have kids and be home with my kids. And, um, and I was going to be and that was going to be fine. Well, that's a whole another aspect of it is that you um, raised your kids and also ran the company um, at the same time. That's quite challenging. And mm. as, as any um, mother knows that yeah. you have a lot of um, you have a lot. That's a lot of pressure right there to taking care of the kids and, and worried about the company, too. So, yeah, for 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 the first, well, as you know, the first, uh, you know, 12, 14 years of that. Um, I was married and I had a, uh, my husband was a stay at home dad. And then, um, he passed away seven years ago. So from that, as you, you know, you know, but as, as, um, after that time, yeah, it's been as a single mom and, um, president of Dante Valve not longer, not long after he passed away. And then also having, uh, three kids that I'm raising and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people ask, what's your passion? Are valves your passion? No, valves are not my passion. My family is my passion. And I think that if we look at what my life is, it's all about family. I, I consider our, our employees part of that. I consider, you know, my, my children, my, you know, my, my uncle, obviously my cousin, all the people that, that all of our work branches out, but it's really about passion. I mean, that, that's really it. It's really my family. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, so I, I work with a lot of different companies, as you know, and I, I would say one thing that defines Dante is the family concept of the, of the business. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute, but many, many things I see you do that, you know, it's all about taking care of your family and which are your, your employees and your, and your, and your real family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. You know, if there, if there's ever um, a lot of the employees don't, don't know, but um, I'll, I'll say, you know, if there, if there is ever a time when we have ever had a pay cut at Dante Valve, which has happened maybe once or twice, um, we've, the, the owners have taken that m much earlier than everybody else. We've done that. So we've, we try to shield people as much as we possibly can. I feel like every person that we've hired, I've made a commitment to, um, and try to keep that. Um, uh, we've just done an employee survey that's given us some feedback from, from employees. And that's just so valuable and so helpful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's true. I, I care about all of them um, very, very much. So yeah. Wonderful. So that kind of leads into the next question, which is, you know, when you're running a business and not, it's not always going smooth. Hmm. There's, there's rough spots. There's things that happen that you don't anticipate or industry situations that cause stress. Um, I mean, and I'm sure over the lifetime of Dante, there's been many of those. But can you recount, uh, recall any one particular one that, you know, where how the company responded to difficulty? I have so many to pick from. I'm just, they're, <laughs> you know, we, we've had, um, I, I think one of the best things, you know, it's funny because I, I always in my mind think of life like this. 
And anytime something is great, I'm thinking, you know, it'll be here. And anytime I'm down here, I think, okay, it'll go up and it'll go down. And life is a cycle, right? You have your good times and your bad times. Um, in business, we have had plenty. We've had legal issues um, with threats from an outside source. We've had family issues within our own family. Um, we've had some financial. We've had, I think we've had the gamut. I mean, you know, 63 years of business, you're going to face some stuff, right? So um, resiliency is is key. Um the the bond and the trust that you have in the um, in the management team or the leadership team is also a key. Being able to rely on each other, um, being able to have experts and people that you trust that can help um, that can help and and provide a solid you know outside points of view because it is it's important to know like I know that that as the team of the Dantes, the three of us, we are not a diverse team. Um, and I know that we have a really strong family culture that is a negative in some ways if we want to face something that is um, an exterior threat. And so having people with different points of view for different backgrounds and the diversity um, is critical. Um, you know, the times that of I think also leadership is really, really key in moments like that because there are there are there are always going to be challenges, and yet um, being able to show up in a way, show up to work in a way that is still professional, that I'm not bleeding all my, you know, I'm not bleeding um, anxiety and showing all of that and and everything else, and not creating chaos and panic. Um, it is really critical. So I think that's about it. Commitment, commitment to each other. I think I said that, but um, leadership is also key. Yeah. So 63 years of making it through and being successful, that's pretty amazing. But when you said that about facing exterior threats and every how people respond to that, I, I also thought about exterior, exterior um, external opportunities. Yeah. Sometimes those come along and not everybody's on the same page. And if it's a family too, that it's another dynamic of, yeah. you know, maybe taking a risk that um, not everybody wants to take. And you've, you've, I've seen you have go through those situations too sometimes. Yeah, we definitely, um, you know, an interesting thing is the way that, that my family has always done our um, board meetings. So there was a time when my grandpa, my uncle, my dad, and I were, were really the, the only people that were running Dante Valve. And so you have a huge generational split, a huge age split, huge split of viewpoints there of, of you know, how we're all, what we're all bringing to the table. And I might come in with something new that my grandpa didn't understand or that my dad didn't like or my uncle didn't like. Um, but when we came to those board meetings, it was, they were, they were all kind of equal in the sense of we're all coming in with a viewpoint and the, per, and you're going to have to explain your view. You're going to have to defend your view as if, um, as if you're being just, you know, grilled by a lawyer or something on a cross-examination, that's the level of, you're going to have to defend that. 
And then the person who ends up convincing everybody else in the room is the person whose view we're going to go with or whose idea we're going to go with. So it wasn't just my grandpa saying, hey, I'm Tom. I started this. My way goes or the high, you know, or it's my way, the highway. No, it was just who's got the most well thought out approach. What makes sense? And um, what should we all do? And the other underlying thing for it all that, that always was the key is, is this the best thing for the business? Because that's what it all comes back to. You know, we, there's, there's competition in terms of um, what the needs are and what, what's best for someone's personal best interest versus the business best interest. And so, yes, um, those, those days... Uh, some days and when I started early on and I would go into those meetings, some days I would come out of them crying because I was new and green and um, and now I'm not at all. I don't it doesn't I'm, I'm thankful for those days at this well, point. Not only that, I mean, I don't know if I can say this in today's environment, but you're a young woman and talking to some older men. Right. So yeah. and, and your grandfather and your father, too. I mean, that's 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 challenging. My you know, uncle, make them, make my uncle is, yeah, he's the calm one. My uncle, my dad, and my grandpa, not so much. And um, yeah, they were on the attack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you ended up being, uh, you know, yeah. get, getting it, getting it going. Yeah. So what's you know you what's the best part of owning your own business? That's always a question that I ask because a lot of people are out there thinking maybe I should start a business, and and these are supposed to be tips for future entrepreneurs potentially. Well, okay. Tips, tips is one one thing. I, I think for me, the, the best part of where we sit right now is is with our business is being able to look back and say, "All right, I, I've been watching this business since the mid nineteen seventies, and and I know what it took to the amount of sacrifice and the amount of um, effort and everything else and, uh, and, and reinvestment and all that. I know what it took to get us to this point in 2023 and where I'm so proud of, of where we are in 2023. And just having that view of that journey and knowing that my family has done that um, to me is so satisfying and it is one of the best, the best things right now for me. Wow. Um, I also think in for for other people that are starting, I think there is that really nothing compares to being in control of your own destiny. And this idea that if you want to succeed in something and if you are driven and and are focused and really want something different for yourself, that you can do that and you can achieve it. And I think that's one of the best parts of owning a business is the, the thought that you can fulfill your goals. You can think something up and, and go out and create it and make it happen. And it's a very satisfying and fulfilling way to live. And if you have some um, idea of, hey, you know, I'd really like to help, you know, I'd like to, you could come up with some charitable idea even, and then kind of figure out a way to to do do that sort of thing. It, it's It's just a blank sheet of paper and you can just do what you want. And I think that is such a free way to live and it's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. 
So that was the best part of owning a business is you, you, you know, you're self-directing, you get your own goals, but what about the worst part of owning a business? Well, okay. So the flip side of being self-directed is um, if you have partners or, or people that you're working with, you are not 100% on your own. You do have to respect and honor um, their opinion and you need to come together um, and, and move forward jointly. So that's, that's um, something to consider there. Um, I think for us, you know, I, it, it's hard to be a family in a business and it is, and it can, we work really hard at still being a family and still um, loving each other like a family, but it, it puts a strain. It can put a strain on you for sure. For sure. Um, that is something that has, that, is hard for me. Um, I don't have, you, you know, like we're not f fractured, but it's just that is difficult in a family business. The amount of the amount of strain. Yeah. Also, I think sometimes just in in non-family businesses, um, one of the downsides is this is not easy, and the amount of work that it takes to run a business. Um, I think can be very easily underestimated and the amount of money or time and investment that has to come back in at later years and um, the amount of you know personal guarantees you're going to give a bank or things like that all of those things and trying to explain that to a partner or a spouse and saying hey you know we've got this trust that protects our assets but we're going to pledge it over here and you know and because we need a loan for the business because we're going to do this or that right yeah yeah um that is you know this type of thing it, it comes at a cost um financially um effort wise time um and relationship wise so I started Blueprint CFO in October of 2019, which mm -hmm. was very timely because it was just before COVID hit. Nice time. And mm -hmm. um, so having gone through that with my clients, there's been some clients that did well during COVID and other clients that, you know, had a really hard time. How would how would you say that uh, it, COVID was for Dante Bell? Um well, COVID, we were a um, critical defense business, so we were open the entire time and never closed. Uh, we did send some of our, um, some uh, administrative staff could could work from home, but most of us were um, in the office and in uh, on the production floor every day. Um, you know, the Navy didn't stop. We didn't stop, period. Um, but we did, but we did become a heck of a lot um, more inefficient because and um, it cost more to make our product. We lost at least 2,000 hours of labor hours um, because of, of COVID leave and everything else and uh, people being out or the cross contam or the contamination risks and the, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, we, we, we spent a lot of time managing and, um, meeting once a week and talking through any of the latest developments and trying to follow the guidance, trying to balance the guidance of what was coming from the CDC, what was coming from the state of California and what was coming from the state of Virginia, because they weren't always in sync and trying to figure out what to follow and what to do. Spent time, so much time and money on PPE and spreading people out and taking our workers that used to be on one shift and splitting them into two shifts 
with a cleaning period in between in the, in the, like a 45 minute dead time where we would just, nobody's in the building and we're spraying disinfectant through the shop. Um, a lot of communication, a lot of, um, you know, that time in general was just so stressful for people and yeah, well, people are getting sick and getting sick and, people and thought they so were going to die. I mean, some people did die, obviously. So, right. Right. I think I, um, I, you know, I, I had that happen to someone close to me. And so, you know, it's just, it was, it was awful. And yet what we tried to do was to, to say, okay, we're going to come in the door. We've got, you know, we're going to come into this place every day. We're going to treat each other with respect. We're all going to wear our PPE. We're going to spread out, take it slow and realistically use this time to calm, let the craziness be outside of Dante valve and everything that was happening. And if you really come in and like you're running a machine or something and you really think about that, that can be in itself somewhat, um, that can be a practice in mindfulness if you're, you know, just paying attention to what you're doing and not thinking about other things. So we tried to think of it like that as much as possible um, and to just be a safe space. So yeah. I, I think we, I think we did well. Um, we've persevered and I'm happy to hear that the pandemic has newly been declared over. <laughs> so I, I was, I, I remember those times cause I was on your task force for mm -hmm. your COVID task force. And we met every, every week mm -hmm. uh, during the times when COVID was very active. And um, I, I just want to say that, you know, again, I've worked with, I've worked with at the same time working with other companies. And I, I think you, you took a very um, proactive approach of, managing the risk for your employees and and you know when somebody got sick talking about what you know what the ramifications were for that facility and yeah. uh, which you know was kudos to uh, you for doing it oh, thank you thank you um so you know i own my own business and you own your own business in, in some respects with your family obviously yeah, family. But, um one thing about owning your own business you tend to work a lot of hours you know, my, my wife is always complaining, you know, Jim, you need, you need to stop working at sending out emails on your phone and blah, blah, blah. So how I, I it's really hard for me to tell, say how many hours I work because I work all day long and sometimes all night long, but I'm really not at the office, but how many hours do you, would you estimate you work every week? I would guess right around 60, 55, 60, something in that ballpark. Um, we have, you know, we have a location in Virginia, as you know, and I and I'm based in Virginia, so I get up and start the day on on East Coast time and end my day on California time. So uh, that's a weekday thing. There's always stuff that spills over into the weekend. Um, so I, yeah, 55, 60 ish, maybe a little more, maybe less infrequently, um, but on the weekends too. I'm always needing to get to something that takes a long period of, you know, like a block of time that for me is a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning. So do you, do you, would you feel like you have good handle on work-life balance and you have time to do other things besides work, worry about the business? Um, I don't look, I'm, I'm a single mom with kids that are pretty much grown up and a business and I'm, and I, and I have a life. So those four things, that's like four jobs. Yeah. So I um, plus, no. plus you moved from California to Virginia, so that was in yeah. that's um, time consuming and a lot of planning went into that. I 
yes, I, I don't work, work life balance. I do not think that exists. I think that you're just, um, the way that I've succeeded is just by, I focus on something when I'm at work, I focus on work. When I come home, I try to be at home or I try to, you know, I, when I'm talking to my kids, I talk to my kids and, and I'm really focused on that. But then I do have to carve out time for other things later. But no, I um, I never feel balanced. I always feel like I'm running from one thing to another. Um, I don't really have a huge amount of hobbies. I try, but I I don't. Um, it's just the way it is, you know. I I would I love to travel. Um, so that's really where I can kind of just unplug and um, all that. But yeah, I. No, I don't. I have no balance, Jim. <laughs> well, I hate to say it. We want to work on that then. That's <laughs> oh, sad. So part of the show we we're, we want we're highlighting our fractional CFO service blueprint CFO. A lot of people don't even understand what a fractional CFO could do for their business, and it's so sometimes a challenge to explain to them. So I always ask my clients when we're going through this, you know, how, how long we've worked with you for four or five years now. It's been a while working with the family. How would you describe how we've helped you run the business better? There are so many ways that you've helped us. Uh, Blueprint has helped us run our business better. Number one would be um, you've helped us. Um, we, we now have two people in our internal accounting team. Um, you've helped us with oversight of those people. Um, you have helped us develop um, better procedures for how they operate and um, what their roles and responsibilities are. Um, you've enforced a timeliness to our accounting function um, that we didn't have before. And so you guys give us the fastest close, fastest monthly close that we've ever had, which is, you know, 10 days or whatever, um, 10 to 15 days max. And that is fantastic. That gives us great information that we can use immediately to make decisions that are great for our business and to know, um, okay, we did, you know, costs varied here or they did that. And, and so we're, we're looking at all of that on a monthly basis. Um, you, you know, your staff is fantastic and they participate with our staff and the, the management team. We are not at a point where we need a full-time CFO, but to have you as part of our leadership team and have you um, contributing to us is, is um, a great help and with all the experience that, that you bring. And then uh, the controller as well, and that's and Matt McCain, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I think one of the ways also that, that, you, that Blueprint has helped us is with the forecasting of future cash flow and letting us know if we're going to have a problem or how collections, if they slow down or um, how that's going to impact us or how it won't impact us um, and how we'll be fine or not. Um, and that's helped us make some better decisions and uh, use our cash better. Um, you've helped us with uh, bank relationships and negotiating things there. Um, I also like in the accounting feature, or excuse me, in that in the accounting function, I like the fact that there is a third party involved in that because the separation of duties there, that's an accounting best practice. And so I, I don't just have two people in accounting, I have four, um, even though two are fractional and two are full time. So, um, and two are not 
uh, from the same company as the other two. So that, that to me, uh, that is very valuable as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying all that. I mean, I, I, while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I do have a Dante valve email address. Mm-hmm, you do. So I feel like I'm part of the company and um, our accounting team with Araceli and Renee and Matt and I, we feel like we're a little family too. You know, we get together every week mm-hmm. and um, talk about how we're going to get the, the work done as efficiently as possible. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun working with the company. Uh, we're so glad you're part of the team, Jim. Yeah, and Matt. And Matt. Thank you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt, thanks you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any, just to wrap it up, um, you know, are any burgeoning entrepreneurs out there thinking about running or starting their own business and, you know, whether they should quit their job, you know, you had your job as in the concert industry. Um, what, any other last minute tips that you can think about, you know, running your own business and, and taking that on as a challenge? So, sure, I... I would not quit a job Um, at the time that I quit and I made that transition. I was in my early twenties and I had not um, started a professional career. Like, you know, I didn't have decades of a professional career. So, and I didn't have a family that was relying on me and I didn't have any of that. So for a person who is, who might have those things that is considering um, starting an entrepreneurial journey, I would say go for it, but recognize that it is something that happens in stages and it's, and that it happens. It takes a long time to develop and it will probably cost you more than you think um, in terms of time and in terms of money. So if you're going to start a business, start small, get a proof of concept, know that you can make a sale, know that there's a demand for your product. Don't quit your day job. You know, start with all of that stuff first. Take some baby steps in the beginning. Know that you have a viable proof of concept. And then while you do that, um, then go into trying to do that as like your side hustle, your moonlighting, all the rest. And then only when that becomes so successful that you can know that you're not getting any sleep at night anymore, then start thinking about, okay, maybe I need to devote full time to this and maybe I need to go for this. Um, there's a, there, the rewards are great. The sacrifice is great. That's why the rewards are great. And, and, I, and just keeping both of those things in mind is very important. Um, I think it is a wonderful thing to do and I would encourage anyone to do it. I think the, the words that you said there just struck out was rewards are great and sacrifice is great. And that's kind of sums it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there, there is some sacrifice, but the rewards are there too. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, Lisa, for participating in our Blueprint CFO Presents Future Focused Entrepreneurs, which you are obviously definitely one. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, Medi Bandana of Best Framing in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, look forward to that episode. It's a very interesting story about their company. And thank you very much. Onward and upward. Thank you, Jim.